I was telling pastor that I don't, I don't take it lightly when a pastor surrenders his pulpit. And I, I considered it a, a stewardship that we have uh, before the Lord, and it is my privilege to be here. Thank you for making me feel so welcome. Um, where I stayed, Stephen and Candace had me for a meal last night, and it's just been a delight to be here. I just only wish my dear wife could be here. Um, I, I do want to share the Lord's testimony amongst the Basodios, but before I begin, how about if we just commit our time to the Lord, okay? Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I pray that, Lord, our hearts would be drawn to you and lifted up and encouraged as to what you would have us to do as we continue to walk with you, walk with each other in a world that desperately, desperately needs you, both here and all around the world. So we commit this time into your good and faithful hands. In your name, amen. Okay, um, the scripture says this in Psalm 67. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Let your way, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And that's one of the things I want to do here. But you know what? I got something I want to do just a little different. Um, you've got very capable pastors here that teach you Sunday in and out. But I believe that when a missionary comes back, that he's to give an account of what God is doing amongst the nations. And I take that biblical principle from the end of the book of Acts, when the Apostle Paul gets back, and those that traveled with him, it says at the very end of his missionary journey there in Acts 14, it says this in verse 27, when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And that's what I believe is my stewardship before the Lord, that I'm to give an account and to share with you who pray for missionaries. You've got dear missionaries around the globe and those local in the United States as well. You give of your wealth, you give of your prayers, your words of encouragement and so on. Well, you should know what, what's going on. And so I see it as my stewardship to share. And I, I want to share this. The story is going to be like the Basodio story um, and what God has done with this one nation. And then with them hearing the good news of Christ, what they have done and what he means to them. And my prayer is this, that as you hear their testimony and as they've responded to the good news, that you yourself might not only be refreshed again, by how good the good news really is, and then what are we doing about it? What the Lord Jesus done, and how might God have us go deeper and do more with him in reaching people both here in the U.S. and around the world? So I would like to begin by sharing with you a journey um, that my wife and co-workers went on to the country of Papua New Guinea. Now, Papua New Guinea is the second largest island on planet Earth. It's the home of over 7 million people. But the unique thing about New Guinea is this. Amongst those 7 million people, and by the way, the New York metropolitan area is far bigger than that. But in that part of that island, the independent nation of Papua New Guinea, there are 862 different languages. 
That's unbelievable. And now we're not talking about uh, dialects. We're talking about languages that are as different as Chinese is from French. And so the Lord gave us the privilege, as Pastor said, to work with this unreached people group called the Basodio. The Basodios were totally cut off from the outside world. Many of them had never even seen stick matches before. They were using coconut bowls for shells and inverted parrot bills for spoons. They lived at the headwaters of three different river systems, deep interior in the jungle. So far in, even the government themselves had trouble getting to them. They actually asked us if we could go in there. Obviously not to preach the gospel, but because they know that where missionaries go, usually medical aid posts and airstrips pop up. The Basodios did not live in villages. They lived in these isolated hamlets. And these hamlets, where you might have a man and his wife and children living with maybe his son and daughter-in-law and their family, you'd have to walk a day or two days walk away um, before you would come across another hamlet. And as we entered into that realm, these are some of the first people we met living there amongst the Basodios. Um, that's exactly how we found it, what you see there. Um, so when we first went in, there was this little site called Basavabi, and when we moved in there, interior, this fellow you see there, his name is Hadi Bayo, he was the main spokesman, but here's the deal. Their language was unknown, unwritten. Hadi Bayo had been downriver a few times, and he picked up a very crude understanding of the national trade language, Melanesian Pidgin English. They had no idea why we wanted to come live with them. We kept trying to communicate to them, we got a very important message to you. It's called God's talk. God's talk. I mean, we could, they could have thought we were coming to tell them about hard-boiled eggs. They would have had no idea what God's talk meant. Here's what they said to us. We know that you want to help us. Please come live with us. We are miserable living the way we are. But in living amongst them, of course, we had a problem. Okay, please. I mean, how on earth do you even begin to communicate with them? They obviously didn't know English. We didn't know their language, nor... Where was anyone waiting there, you know, uh, at the shore with us? Here's the Basodio language. Uh, you can learn with uh, 12 CDs included. Uh, you'll be done in no time. There was none of that. That's why we had to be trained, and that's why we are training. That's, for example, why Stephen and Candace have gone through training, and Tim and Brenda, why they went through training, to learn the language, but not only the language, but the culture as well, where we moved interior, tree bark floor, thatch roof, just lived amongst them in the way that they lived, doing life with them, not parachuting in. And I loved how the dear brother and sister talked about, hey, we're, we're doing life with people. We're trying to learn Arabic. That's awesome. Pray for them. It's not easy. And I'll tell you what, hey, when you're in the rigors of trying to learn another language, I'll be gut level honest. When you hear stuff like, whoa, you're trying to take that down and write that down? It's like, what in the world? It's like a linguistic tsunami coming over you. I'll tell you, 
secret prayers, secret prayers. Missionaries will send them up. Dear Jesus, please. I've actually prayed that numerous times. Overwhelmed, discouraged, discouraged. Lord, please, please, I'm begging, give me a disease. Give me a disease so I can get back to the States. Of course, I had it all figured out. I asked the Lord to heal me once I get back. And then let me get a note from the doctor that says I should never go back. Man, come on, looking for the exits. You want the honorable discharge. But I'll tell you what, without the local church, man, come on, we're not Rambo. And a lot of uh, people back then, of course, we didn't have the internet, but just like um, sending us aerograms. One dear widow used to pray for us like crazy. Mary Perkins, she's with the Lord now. Hey, George and Harriet, don't quit. Don't give up. I want you to know that every morning before breakfast, I bring you before the throne of grace. Keep going. Man, I'll tell you what, little did Mary know how that was like a bear hug from the Lord to keep going, pulling it out. And the thing is, here's why we're trying to do it. Not trying to give answers. The Bible says if you try to give an answer before you understand what's going on, you're a fool. It's falling in chain, parachuting in. Why would you do that? And it's not just language. It's the culture as well. And as we found, as the Basodias lived, yeah, we had, there was their setting, but they were fighting amongst themselves and with each other. When we did a survey of the men, we only found four men who had not killed someone in their lifetime. Not like they're just sitting around waiting for Bible stories. Um, all kinds of shamanistic practices, how they saw themselves totally environed by a spirit world. In fact, after three years of study, we saw that they had a whole hierarchy of spirit beings that they believed in, pinned down in bondage and fear, immorality of every kind you can think of was the order of the day. And yet the Lord loved them. The Lord loved them. And he sent us to communicate the truth of the gospel with them. And so, yeah, do you get homesick? Yeah, you get homesick. But you know what? Aren't you glad the Lord Jesus came and identified with us? Didn't do like a webcam from heaven? But entered in, entered in to planet Earth with us in solidarity. And he sends you and I into a world that, you know what, stinks. A lot of difficulty going on. People are dying. No matter what image managing goes on at Facebook level, you know, the edited you that people put out there while people are living quiet lives of desperation. Yeah. Needy. How do I know they're needy? The Bible tells me. The Bible tells me they're needy and included these guys no matter where they were located and the Lord was pursuing them as well. And so he gave us the privilege to share. But after three years of study, how do, you, how do you even begin? Where do you begin? Where do you begin in trying to communicate the word of God to them? How do you do it? Romans Road? Four spiritual laws? How can you do it in a situation like this? We had tons of questions. Tons of questions. Even now, though we were fluent in the language and fluent in the culture, how do you begin? Well, through a certain set of circumstances, the Lord led us to begin in Genesis. 
And so I just want to take some time and unfold what happened in this account. Here's the story. Okay, after three years of learning their language and culture and doing life with them, really gaining the ability to empathize, walking in their moccasins, so to speak, that we told the leaders, we said, well, it's about time to, to share this important talk. And they said to us, well, it's about time. It's only been three years. Well, they don't know how long it, it takes to learn a language. It's super difficult. But they, we kept telling them, this important message, this important message. We didn't leave our country, and, and we didn't leave our parents just to goof off here. And they knew that. They knew this was huge. They knew this was really, really important. So we said, we noticed that when you guys tell your stories at night, you tell them around the fires at night. And they, we, we said, here's a suggestion. What would you think if with one family we began to talk in one hut, the next, the next night we'll go to another hut, the next night we'll go to another hut? And they said to us, hut to hut, is this talk important or isn't it? Oh, we said, man, this is the most important talk you're ever going to hear. And they said, well, if that's important, you'll teach the entire village at once. Put the talk out under the sun, they said. Man, we thought, everybody wants this is awesome. So we said, well, we didn't want to get carried away. How many times do you guys want to hear this? Maybe a couple times a week? A couple times a week? Is this talk important or isn't it? They said to us. So we said, look, this is the most important message you're ever going to hear in your life. They said, well, if that's important, you will teach us every day of the week. What is that, man? What are you talking about every day of the week? I mean, how are you going to crank out that many Bible lesson preparation? That would be a challenge in English to do that. So, and then we said, what about your food? And they said, look, you don't worry about our food. We've been getting food far be long ago before you ever got here. We'll take care of ourselves. Here's what we're going to do. I mean, there's no Walmarts there. No Walmarts. This is in the absolute middle of nowhere. No roads, no electricities, no towns. This is deep interior. And they said, here's what you're going to do. We'll get our food on the weekends, and you will teach us Monday through Friday. And at their request, five days a week. And so we started. And guys, I'm going to have, I got 24 pages of notes. There's no way I'm doing all those. You're... You're getting the Cliff Notes version there. I just want to submit things for you, what, God, what we saw God do firsthand. And, uh, you know, I'm not making this up. And you'll see from the testimony next hour, the story keeps going up to the present hour of what the Lord did. And we had a chance to brag about God. We started in the beginning God, but we had to get God even before that, even before there was any creation. And we began to unfold who this God was before any of the world that they understood, any of the spirits they thought existed, any of the ground, the sun, the moon, and stars, as this little group of tribal people began to hear, for the very first time, think about it, 2,000 years since the Lord Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. This is the first time these guys were hearing it, ever. And man, what a privilege. What a privilege. Man, am I glad I didn't quit. And my glad God didn't answer that prayer to get me out of there. Man, look, I would have missed out on tons. And then we began and we talked about how God created angels. We went on to the fall of Lucifer, and they began to see and understand something's wrong here. 
this angelic being that rebelled. And then we got into the scriptures and we were just unpacking the scriptures, the biblical story as it unfolds. We were going to use the Old Testament as a foundation to prepare them for clarity of the gospel in the New Testament rather than start in the New Testament. That God is, God's story is one integrated whole. And so we took our time. Guys, two weeks just in creation alone. And we were teaching day after day after day after day after day. We were having like a village conversation. It wasn't like I was just, we were just doing sermons and they would sit there. We would keep talking, interact. Tell me how you understand what I just said and so on and so forth. Our times with them, no word of a lie, an hour and a half. Just communicating. They weren't looking at any, they weren't, well, over there, I was going to say, they weren't looking at their watches. They don't have watches to look at. But they, they began to be enthralled with this God of the Bible. And we went through Genesis and talked about the implications of what that was. And then when we got to even that man was created in God's image, and created to know him, to love him and to love one another. Blew him away! Because you know what? The local tribes called these guys wild animals, jungle pigs. Even some of the neighboring tribes downriver tried to stop us from going to them and said, why would you waste your, times amongst, why would you waste your time amongst the Basodio people? And yet they too created in God's image, image bearers. Though they're lost, loved by Christ, and the dignity and the nobility that that brought. Even that was good news for them, and they had no idea about the fall and what all was going to come. And we talked about the Garden of Eden, and they, man, they were getting worked up. Like, where is this place? Where is this place? It's certainly not here. As they're picking thorns out of their hands, or sitting in the mean, burning up with malaria, then they're getting all worked up. Who ruined it for the rest of us? And so we unfolded the story there in Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve, in their dignity and nobility, freely chose to go against what God had said. And then they heard about the fall, and they knew themselves as sinners. They started to see, I should say. They started to see that, yeah, we've come from that mess, all of us, white man, black man, Papua New Guinea, and American. And they started again to see the reality of that. But then right there in Genesis 3.15, you hear of the hope of the promised redeemer, of that one that the Lord would send to make a way back for man to come back to him again. One lady on NMA, she says, the promise, a promised redeemer? God said he was going to send someone to make a way back for, for us to have our sins forgiven? Oh, so she's thinking like that. Oh, I know. I know, no, it's you that God said he was going to send. Whoa, man, you better be glad it wasn't, wasn't me that he, or, or my coworker. No, 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 we said, because they wanted to know, has he been sent? Will he be sent? Oh, no, he's been sent already. And so we kept pulling the story as God has given it into the, in the scriptures. We went to Cain and Abel, where they saw that Abel approached God by faith, in humility. But that wasn't the way that Cain came. And it was interesting, as we unfolded these stories, the Basodias kept understanding themselves as the Spirit of God took truth and drove it home that that's where they were. They would even say in these meetings, no, we're like Cain. That's, that's who we're like. Come to the story of the flood of Noah and the 
the people of Noah's time and what it was like, the Basodios could so relate because of where they were at without Christ. After, after that meeting, we took three days just to do the story of the flood. Yano came up to us afterwards and said, I see it now. You and Bob are like Noah, and we're like the people on the outside of the ark, aren't we? I said, yeah. But keep listening, because God is, is not here to destroy. He wants you to know him and to have your sins forgiven. Keep listening to the story. You know what they did? We, we started out just with 35. They start sending word out. They started sending word out. People started coming two and three days walk away. Look, there was no free hamburgers we were given out. There was no Ten Commandment braces or any shirts with Basodio written on it. There was no other incentive for them to come. They're coming all that distance to here. 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 70. The food quest is on, but they're still coming from all over the place as God is wooing them to himself right smack there in the middle of the jungle. Well, we went on to um, the calling of Abraham where God said, in you and through your seed, I will bless all the nations. And that included them. That included the Basodio nation. That included them as a people group, their own separate language. They themselves, no one else speaks that language but them. And God was calling them to himself. Daniel got up and said, this is wonderful talk. This is wonderful talk. Let's be talking about it in the gardens, on the trails, when we're in our houses. Keep rehearsing about this God. Then we got to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know how the story goes. After they heard Sodom and Gomorrah, they came to us and they said, we're leaving the village. And my coworker and I didn't even understand what they're talking about. They said, no, we're leaving. And we said, what do you mean we're leaving? Because, I mean, crowds are coming, and there's more and more coming from the jungle. What do you mean you're leaving? They said, look what happened to Adam and Eve. Look what happened to Cain and his family. Look what happened to the people of Noah's time. Look what happened to the people of the Tower of Babel. And now you're telling us this? We're next. We're next. Deeply convicted. How many people walking around New York City even have that mentality? It's the bad news first if you're going to appreciate the good news. Look at Romans and the argumentation that Paul brings it down there and see what happens right there at 319 in Romans. That every mouth may be closed and all the world held accountable to him. You're not going to hear the gospel if we're doing this in our hearts thinking we got something, we're bringing something to the table. How bad is the bad news? Yeah, it's real bad. So until our hearts are quieted about what we may be bringing to the table, we're not ready to hear the good news. And that's where they were. We said, wait, 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 Basodios, hang on there. And so they kept listening. More people kept coming. They got tape recorders, and they started tape recording the lessons. And they were getting an hour and a half. Now they're getting another hour and a half. They were getting three hours a day at their own hunger, at their own desire. Then the story unfolds with Abraham offering up Isaac. But Isaac doesn't die. And we did skits. We would not just teach. Sometimes we'd role play and do skits. They had no idea that Jesus was coming. They had no idea that that was a redemptive analogy. So we kept pulling the story forward. I need to submit here. Okay, so we go through all their history. Okay, bringing on down to Mount Sinai, the Red Sea, the wilderness. I mean, when they saw what the Lord did to Pharaoh and the plagues, 
I mean, Yahweh was awesome. Pharaoh was a fool. Pharaoh was a fool. What kind of a fool would play with this God? He got down to Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments. That, my dear friends, if there was any hope that Basodius had about bringing some self-righteousness, that was the nail in the coffin. And they said this, God is the essence of goodness. He is so good. He is so utterly good. Anything that isn't like him can't even get close to him his holiness, his glory, and yet they understood this God was pursuing them. Hungry. The tabernacle, all of that. Israel's up and down history. Okay, after 20 weeks of teaching, catch it, after 20 weeks of teaching, these, some of these guys are losing sleep. So they come to us. We want to know what God has done about our sins. Now you're ready to hear the gospel, and we're ready to get into the New Testament. The Old Testament had done its work. They were prepared for Christ, and we were right there. So as they're uh, asking for us to do more teaching, they said this, not only will you teach us in the morning, you're going to teach us in the evening as well. All right, all right, time out here. Guys, I'm not making, this isn't like an evangelical fish story. Now, how big was the fish? Oh, man, the fish was like this. Look, it was like, I'm just giving testimony what, of what I saw firsthand. And you're going to hear from their own mouths here near the end of this and in the next, the next service. Going to keep pulling the story forward. Their history with God and what God is doing amongst the nations. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. This is good news. So now it's time to present Christ in the... Man, my heart's going like this. Now it's time to present the Redeemer. And it turns out that it's God the Son. Blew him away. Man, it's God himself. It's God himself that's pursuing us. All that time, he was talking like in a parable. Sending this Redeemer, and he's the Redeemer. So Jesus comes and he's born. And we, we kept doing these skits, and I don't have time to get into all the details, but... I, in the role-playing, somehow I always turned out to be like the bad guy. My coworker picked the who's playing what. He always got the good roles. So when we're doing skits, now this time I was Satan, and he always played the Lord. He got, he got to play the Lord. So we have about 100 now. We got like 100 now, just, just sitting on this, this hillside. There's no building. We're just out on the top of that hill in the middle of the jungle. All this is going down. And we, so we do the, the temptation in the wilderness. And the Lord, we're, you know, we would read the scriptures and then role play teach. Read the scriptures. That's the authority. Role play, just to help them maybe picture it a little, and then teach, teach, read the scriptures. Keep going back to the scriptures. And so as the Lord is at the end of his fast, here comes Satan. No word of a lie. They're on the sides and they're saying, oh no! Oh no! Here comes Satan. And as you know, as the scripture goes, the Lord never yields to him. Guys, they were literally cheering on the sidelines. Yes, don't give in to him. Don't give in to him. Oh, why couldn't he have been in the Garden of Eden? Why couldn't it have been him? And I'll tell you what. 
the Lord Jesus started sweeping them off their feet. And all I was doing was bragging about them through the gospel records. Healing the blind, the dumb, the deaf, the demon-possessed. Showing mercy and love to the marginalized. Identifying himself with sinners. They started saying, Jesus understands us. Man, Jesus understands us. In fact, they started making up songs about him. And they had no idea Calvary was coming. No idea Calvary was coming. We had literacy going on at the same time. We, we, as pastor said, we analyzed their language, created an alphabet, and then taught them to read and write their mother language, their mother tongue, the God-given tongue. And then consequently translated the scriptures. When they're reading the scriptures, it's their mother tongue, not English. It's their tongue, the tongue that God gave them. Man, what a privilege. What a privilege. Making up songs about the Lord Jesus. So a new literacy guy, my wife looks over his shoulder, took him about 10 minutes to write, I, my heart, give to Jesus. And he had no idea that Jesus was about to die for him in the storyline. And they were falling in love with him. Well, Again, fast forward, we, we had to go through the Last Supper. We had other missionaries come and help us. We needed some Roman thugs. You know, they didn't know the language, but they came to help us act out like when we did the arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so we went through all of that. On a Thursday night, on that session, and not that we were planning for it to be on a Friday, giving the gospel, they saw the Lord Jesus arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and carried away. And they're saying, what's going on? What's this? What on earth is happening? What on earth is happening? And we said, Basodios, tomorrow, you're going to find out what happened. You're going to find out why we left family, why we left our home country, why we came here to live in the jungle with you and learn your language and culture, and why we labored day in and day out for years on end. You're going to find out tomorrow. There was a fever pitch excitement. Man, it was so cool. We, we told him, we said, look, we're going to turn the generator on before the sun comes up. And you guys get ready. And then, because this is going to take a while to explain everything to you. We made a cross. We had a crown of thorns. We thought, if we try to describe crucifixion, this, they're going to get lost. So we're going to act this out. We missionaries gathered. We spent till like one in the morning bathing in in prayer. Please, Lord. Please help us not to blow this. Help us not to muff this up. Help us not to get in the way. We just want to proclaim the good news of what you did for them. Okay, the next morning, we, we turn on the generator and the people are trying to get their, their meal done. And then I go out and, and then I'm not... I was at the bottom part of the village there, like right down here, our house, and we taught up here. And I, I, didn't, I didn't see anyone like near my house. I, I went... We, we spent the night together, so I went in to talk to my coworker. I said, man, the, the village is, is dead. Like, what's this, like lead balloon time? I mean, oh, man, a living. So then while we're wondering, man, did they go hunting? What's happening? From the top of the hill, we hear them yelling to us, hey, Bob and George, are you coming up here and teach us or not? We're up here waiting for you. They were already up there. So, man, we grab, the, we grab the props and everything. We start running up the hill to the top of the hill. As we look up, some of them are pointing over to the west, and they're saying, Oi, die! 
Look, look, he's put the rainbow. He's put the rainbow. We looked over across the valley. There's this gorgeous rainbow. I didn't put the rainbow there. This is 7 o'clock in the morning, this gorgeous rainbow. And they said, God is telling us, listen to my messengers. Okay, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it, whatever. So we began to act out everything that the Lord had accomplished for them. We went before Caiaphas. And we did, we acted out everything. I'll tell you what, you could have heard a pin drop. Then before Pilate, and the Basidias are dazed. Jesus was their hero. Jesus was their hero. He was their hero. Why is this happening? What's going on? In fact, when Pilate says, I'm going to crucify him, and let, I'm sorry, I'm going to flog him, I'm going to flog him and let him go, Maliba comes right up where we're acting, that's right, let him go, let him go. Maliba, that's not the way it goes. Get back over here. We had to get back there. He was so fired up that Jesus, their hero, and then we acted out the crucifixion and all the sayings on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? The Basodius had no idea what was going on then. No idea at all. But we acted out the whole thing. Then we talked about the burial, the resurrection, the great commission, and talked about the ascension and that he'll be coming again. That took us two hours to go through all that. Again, this is 24 weeks of teaching, and they were hanging on every word by God's mercy. So they looked at us and they said, is that it? That, that's, that's it? We said, no, Basodios, that's not it. And we reminded them of what all this meant. So we took them back to the Old Testament. And we said, Basodius, now listen to us. Let us proclaim to you the message, the core of the message. And we said, do you remember Abel? Or, sorry, Abel, when, when he was offering the lamb, did Abel die? And they said, no, Abel didn't die. The, the lamb died. And we said, in the same way, the Lord Jesus Christ took your place. He died for you, Basidius. He died for you. He shed his blood for you that you might have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. They looked at us in stunned silence. He what? Wait, wait. He what? And then we went on to Abraham offering up Isaac. Basidius, do you remember that story? Yes, yes, we remember. Who died? Did, Abraham, did Isaac die? No, the ram died in Isaac's place. In the same way. Christ died in your place. He ate the pain. He took the pain, as they say it. And then we just kept unfolding more redemptive analogies. Remember the blood on the doorpost, Basodius. Remember the blood on the doorpost. Remember. And they said, yes, that's right. The ones that had the blood on the doorpost the spirit of the Lord, or the angel of the Lord passed over. There was no judgment for them. Yes, that's it. And in the same way, the Lord Jesus shed his blood for you. He shed his blood for you, Basodios. And he, if you believe in what he's done, he will pass over you in judgment. 
Just as we're talking there, the oldest guy in the village, his name was Wakea, he's sitting right smack dab in the middle of everybody, and he calls my coworker over, Bobby, 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 Bob, come, come. Bob, are you saying that Jesus died for me? We said, yes, Wakea. That's exactly what we're saying, that he took my place, that he paid the penalty of my sins. Bob, is that what you're saying? Yes, Wakea, that's it, that's it. He said, Bob, I do believe. Bob, I do believe he did that for me. Wow, man, I couldn't believe it. It was right there in front of us. So some of the missionaries that were there with us, there was no way they could hear and understand. It's all in the tribal language. So I went to the back of the audience to explain to our dear friends what was happening up front. And then this guy, Hamiagu, he... He was in his 20s. He, he had a, I remember this because he had a baseball cap pulled down too far and his ears were smashed. He just grabbed me, tears in his eyes. He said, man, I'm, I am so happy. I am so happy. That's all he was saying. So I went back to my coworker Bob, as there's a buzz now. People are trying to figure out. There's other redemptive analogies. The tabernacle, the serpent in the wilderness, they're there for the taking if you'll take time to present. I said to Bob, I said, I think Hamiagu, I think Hamiagu really understands. I think he has something to say. So Bob says, well, say something to him. I said, okay, I'll say something to him. I said, Hamiagu, do you, do you have something to say? He said, I most certainly do. He stood up on a tree stump right in the corner, and he said this publicly in front of everyone. I believe that when the Lord Jesus Christ died, he died for me. And that when he shed his blood, he shed it for me. And had he not have done that, I would have gone to hell. Man, I'm saying to Bob, can you believe that? Listen to that. Bob says, well, he says, well, well, what do we do? I said, I don't know. What do we do? We'd say something back to him again. I said, okay, I'll say something. I said, Hamyagu, on the authority of God's word and your confession in Christ, the Lord is forgiving your sins. Man, he got thrilled, and all, not everybody was understanding, but a large majority were. They started laughing, crying, rejoicing. We're forgiven, forgiven, we're forgiven, we're forgiven, we're forgiven. Guys, it was nuts. It was awesome. As the Lord was bringing these people to, them, to himself, absolutely bold over with the love of Christ. It caught them off guard, totally caught them off guard. And as we, as we were there, that, that night they were up on the hill having come to Christ. And I'll, if, if, a few days, after a few days settled, there was about 70 of the 100 that truly gave a super clear uh, testimony about the Lord Jesus. Others were still hungry, wondering, and, but, they, but they weren't clear yet. But their relatives were trying to help them to understand what the message was. The next night, they're on top of the hill, venting praise to God. Venting praise. Singing, making up songs in their own language. Singing chronologically about the life of the Lord Jesus. Venting praise, one after another. That went on and on and on. It was like 11 on the... I couldn't take it anymore. I was overwhelmed with emotion. I couldn't take it anymore. 
And so, as I'm laying under the mosquito net with my wife, this came to mind. This came to mind. Because I was thinking, look, there's people that have opportunity to accept the Lord. They've heard the gospel a thousand times, and the Lord's not going to quit on them. He'll keep pursuing them. That's his character. But this verse came to my mind in Luke 10, 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes, for even so it is good in thy sight. Wow, man, guys, come on. What the Lord said came true as it is written. They who had no news of him shall see. And they who have not heard shall understand. Pastor, I want to honor the time factor here. And I, I, I have a clip here and I don't, it may take eight minutes. Is that going to be too long? I could, pardon? It's all right? Okay. I want to, Okay, I want you to see this. I'm fast forward. The next message, I'm going to circle back, but I wanted to fast forward 28 years after what I just told you. We circled back on an itinerant ministry. They have their own pastors. They have the scriptures. And you can't see it maybe super clear, but there's these palm fronds that make archways, and then they had a walled passageway, and they were doing this ceremony as my coworker and I circled back for a visit. We had left the tribe years prior. But now we circled back. And Tutuama, who's he's like one of my our main pastors. So we walk through So they're they're doing this special ceremony, and he said to us, pay attention to everything we tell you. This is really important, really important to us. I have, we have no idea, as Bob and myself, we walked through these archways they made. We came up to this passageway, and there was this symbolized wall blocking our way. We have no idea. You know and I, as they're doing this, again, filled with emotion. Again, we have no idea what this means, and they said, we're going to explain it to you in a minute. And so, as they, we come through there, and we do that, Again, we have no idea what any of this means. But then they tell us what it means. And they said those archways were the pathway from the United States. 
God sent you to come to us. That little gate there, that's the wall of darkness. We lived on the other side in Satan's kingdom, in absolute dark. I, I don't have the time to get into it, what their life was really like, far from what Discovery Channel would lead you to believe. And we lived in Satan's kingdom, in darkness, but God in his mercy, God in his mercy, sent you to us. And the Spirit of God took the word of God and cut through the darkness, opening the way for the truth, the light of the gospel, so that we too could hear. And this is 28 years after the gospel. Then they had this sign at the top of the stairwell that said, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. They said, we're still here. We're still reproducing. We're still walking with the Lord Jesus. We're still advancing the gospel. The same good news you told us 28 years ago. We're still doing it. You haven't labored in vain. And what am I thinking about? Lord, why are you doing this? You know all the secret prayers. You know how many times I looked for the exit. You know how many times I wanted to cut and run. Why are you doing this? Totally unworthy. In the midst of our not enoughness. How God meets us. No word of a lie. He is, he is quoting from Romans 10. Whosoever shall believe on the Lord shall be saved. But he goes on and says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring tidings of good things. So he says, how could we have ever heard of Christ unless you came and told us about Christ? But God in his mercy did move you and you did respond and you did come and you did proclaim Christ. And now we're one family. We're in the same family of God. Because you came. And another guy spoke up. And he says, does the Bible, does the Bible have hands and feet? That it's just going to come over on its own accord and present itself to us? No, God has chosen people to tell people. And I'll tell you what, they didn't waste any time. They kept passing the good news on. In fact, they had this huge reception line to greet us it was a little taste of heaven, I'm sure. Um, absolutely unbelievable. Reproducing themselves, producing other leaders that they ordained according to the qualifications of 1 Timothy and Titus, not putting their hands quickly on people. Godly revolution. Well, I, I can't wait to the, next, to the next service. This is only the beginning. We're on the tip of the iceberg here of what God has done amongst this nation. There are some of the leaders that are being discipled with current leaders, and this is a verse that came to my mind where the Lord says, I am going to build my church, and the gates of Hades are not going to overcome it. But here's the deal I want to leave you with, and then we'll close in prayer. Here's the deal. It's a team effort. Without the local church, none of this happens. And I'm not just saying that. It is imperative that the local churches support, as Paul wrote 
the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. And that includes you. Some of you are prayer warriors. Some of you give super generous and you're working hard in some really hard contexts in this world. Writing letters of encouragement. All of us that need it, please don't underestimate your part. Stephen and Candace are going to be heading out. Tim and Brenda are going to be heading out. Um, man, thank God they have an assembly like this. Um, yeah, God would use you where you are, but also through them to have a long reach to those who still need to be reached, just like the Basodios. Guys, there's still well over 2,000 people groups that haven't heard anything. All right, Pastor, I'm going to wrap it up. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. We will, there's more to the story. We'll continue on here. And I just pray somehow uh, that was a blessing to your heart. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for their part in the Great Commission. Lord, I pray you'll use your testimony, your life-giving testimony in real history for all of us to see what you can do and long to keep doing. Um, Lord, we just ask that you'll dismiss us with your blessing. In your name, amen.